0: GQ, I
1: can't hear you. I, your microphone's not working. I can't.
0: You know, uh, uh, DC. I actually, uh, I can't hear GQ either. It's very, very strange. DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I, I thought it was just me. I can't see him either. No, can't see him. Can't hear him. I mean, I know it he's seems there. Almost like he's not there at all.
1: No, not that that's not the case. GQ's always there for us when we need him.
0: He's been very dependable. I will say that. He will always
1: choose us over a projectile vomiting child.
0: Well, I do think he would choose us over a projectile vomiting child if it weren't his child. I suppose that's true. He
1: might he might, yes, over a stranger some little waif that he discovers on the street.
0: I tend to think that our friendship, I I think he values us over a stranger child that is vomiting all over him. I tend to think that in that scenario, he would, he would have a preference to you and I.
1: Yes. If he were running, if he were running late to meet us someplace and there was a small child who was just vomiting and crying he would ignore the small child and say, stay there alone in the street, small child, vomiting and crying for your mother. I must get to my friends.
0: I mean, at first I was doing it like to to defend GQ in a way. But when you phrase it like that, it's really not a great defense, <laughs> is it?
1: I, I don't think that would be. Hold on. I need I need a drink.
0: Oh, my. Where'd you get that? That's uh, cool. This
1: is a Valentine's Day gift from my lovely wife. It is Well, that is a very it is, cool Just gift. so you know, it is a 24-ounce uh, turvis cup, complete with lid and straw. It has the DDT logo, as well as saying DC Matthews there underneath. Um, as she mentioned, I do own is a- the.
0: The only thing missing is at the DC Matthews underneath. That's true. (laughs) I'll
1: write that that in Sharpie. Um, (laughs) But yes, uh, you know, the T-shirts that I have of DDT Wrestling are in uh, frames somewhere. Um, Not hung up, but they exist. And she thought I should have something to commemorate this. And so uh, this lovely gift. So I'm quite excited about it.
0: I think that's wonderful. How was your Valentine's Day, Doc Manson? It was good. We had a yummy steak. We had some shrimp. We opened the bottle of wine. The hot trot I talked about before. Um, We had some, well, I say we, but we ate them. She, Mrs. Manson at uh, Mrs. Manson DDT, she made us a pair of lava cakes, um, homemade whipped cream and raspberries on top. They were awesome. Great dessert. Really loved that. I did throw a picture in the Bestie chat. So, you know, be jealous, everyone.
1: Question for you. Yeah. When you broke it open, did it ooze out as a lava cake is supposed to do?
0: Well, yes, but no. Because they were were baked in ramekins, you know, and they weren't removed before we ate them. So... The inside was ooze, but because it was, you know, set into a bowl, I wouldn't say it oozed out. Okay. But I think it would have. Yeah. Had, had you inverted it, it, it that way. Had
1: you inverted it? Because that was it. The picture I yeah. saw,
0: it looked delicious.
1: Don't get me wrong. But it also looked, it didn't have, I didn't see the ooziness, but
0: like if it's in a ramekin. It was intact when I took the photo. Are you by
1: chance either shaking your leg or doing some sort of drum movements cuz your camera is I'm on a roller coaster right now.
0: Really? It's it's
1: shaking a bit as you talk and I almost wondered if like the de- if you hmm. were shaking the desk in some way either that or you're having an earthquake. Actually,
0: now that you mention that, your picture was kind of just shaking as you were talking. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Ah. You've stopped. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, my camera is on my monitor and my monitor is on a monitor arm. So I suppose vibrations could um, be sent through to it. But mm I think something else is going on. Because as you were saying, your photo, your picture started doing that. It would be really funny
1: if we had an earthquake and that was the only way we felt it. We didn't feel it, but the the camera was shaking
0: on our podcast. We had a, yeah, we had an earthquake not that long ago that I completely did not feel. No, we slept through um, it. I yeah. Think. So anyways. Either way. Um, uh, yeah, it is just,
1: yeah. it is just the two of us. GQ is being a dad and no one is going to fault it him happens. for being a dad. Um, I don't remember the last time the two of us just did a podcast. We'll talk about the lemon cookie that you were eating. Another one of Mrs. Oh, Manson delicious. Bakes. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I I love that GQ is part of the show. I enjoy it. He brings an energy and excitement. The three of us, I think, have great chemistry. Having said all of that, it is nice to just look at you every once (laughs) in a while and be like, oh, yeah, we did this for, you know, five
0: years or so. Just I mean, tonight when, when GQ told us he wasn't going to be able to make it, you sent me a text asking, well, do you want to postpone or do you want to have the pod tonight? And I said, let's do the pod. And I thought, One, let's get it out of the way so I'm not gonna have it lording and hanging over my head for the rest of the week. But also I said to myself, you know, it might be nice to just sit down, the two of us, so that I, Doc Manson, can just steamroll over any and all talking by DC Matthews on my own instead of having GQ doing it on my behalf.
1: It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Tell me about this cookie that you're eating because you have obviously more than one because I've watched you down at least two or three since we've started.
0: Um, I ate one since we started and this is the second one and we only have two. Um, it's like a shortbread cookie, a sandwich cookie with lemon curd in the middle and the top part of the sandwich cookie had a heart cut out of it. Oh, and I think there are maybe, maybe some like finely chopped nuts I don't know if it's pecans or walnuts in the shortbread cookie, but it adds a nice bit of texture and crunch. Very good. Very good. I I will say the best part to come out of watching the Great British uh, Bake Off is we've definitely been feeling more inspired, Mm -hmm. I think, to get in the kitchen and try a few different things. Um, And by we, I mean. Mrs. Manson at Mrs. Manson DDT. You're, you're, um, you're feeling inspired
1: to taste those things.
0: Though. Yeah, I really got on her case to make us some hollow bread, which she did last weekend. Um, it came out rather dense. I mean, even to her liking, it wasn't there. You know what I mean? She, she'll be the first to admit it. I think, and I think you know, we were watching some more GBBO this week. And I think what we decided was maybe the, the dough was not worked enough. Um, perhaps it needed to be... Um, needed more um, to really uh, expand out that gluten. This
1: is why I but. don't particularly enjoy baking. Baking is very much uh, a science. You have to mm. have a certain number of ingredients, and there is a certain, uh, there's a certain thing. You have to work your dough a certain amount. You underwork it. It's not going to work. You overwork it. It's not going to work. You have to proof it the right amount. You have to bake it in... The right settings and the humidity level and the cooking, I feel like, is more of an art. There's there's less, there's more margin for error. Yes, I can absolutely destroy something if I cook it, but I also have many more opportunities to save it along the way.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh,
1: As you taste. Let's Mrs. Manson makes these lemon curd shortbread cookies and presents one to you. Do you feel like you have to judge it as if you were Prue or Paul Hollywood? Or do you just say, thank you, love and enjoy?
0: I think we both know the answer to that question.
1: I yes. So my question, and I think I know the answer to this one, too. But which <laughs> which judge are you? Uh,
0: I, I think, you know, that I am the male judge. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it, As Nancy was calling Paul throughout the uh, rest of I don't know that was series five of the show. Um, the male judge, she didn't. She was stopping calling him by name at a certain point in the season. Do you <laughs> offer
1: like is the ultimate sign of satisfaction? Do you offer a rare handshake when she really nails Absolutely. something? Absolutely.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see. We have you, a whole system worked out here.
1: I could see you. Doing like a Paul Hollywood uh, Halloween
0: costume, little powder in the hair, <laughs> real tan. I can see it. Had to get real tan. Got to get that silver back look going. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned you, know, yeah.
1: you mentioned nuts, and it just brought to mind a question that I I wish I had written down all the questions that we have covered in our multiple years, but I don't think we've covered this one. Uh, what is your Mount Rushmore of nuts? Like my favorite nut?
0: Yes. Like if, oh, before favorite?
1: Yeah. What are what are, um, what is your upper echelon, your top tier, the
0: the creme de la creme in the nut uh, genre? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Um, certainly easier to pick, I think, four than it would be to pick just one. But I I probably eat more almonds than anything else because they're good for you in theory. Mm-hmm. Sure. So almonds are probably up there because they're a good, they're a good everyday nut. Um, I would then maybe say that I like a good fatty cashew. I think cashews are very good, but I don't know. See now I'm now I'm. uh, uh, mm. I mean the creme de la creme. Like if I'm going for the the ultimate like. Nut in terms of just being completely lavish and, you know, over the top. I'm thinking, I'd be tempted to say pistachio, but I think it's actually the macadamia nut. I think the macadamia nut is like the one. Um, but
1: is that your favorite or is that just what you deem to be the elite nut?
0: I think it's probably what I deem to be the elite nut, but I also, I'm never going to turn down a macadamia nut. So. Maybe I don't know that I've ever my had favorite.
1: a macadamia nut not in. I don't think I've ever had just a plain macadamia nut. Delicious. Okay,
0: But, again, I just named you four nuts there, and I didn't even talk about walnuts or pecans. And if I'm going to be talking about baking, like those are the two go-tos, I think, walnuts and pecans. And I probably prefer pecans over walnuts for baking purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't go wrong with a pecan pie. I mean, come on. That's just that's just delicious Hmm.
1: I think I'd have to go with pistachio almond hazelnut Mm. and then I'm gonna go I think this counts but I'm gonna say a pine nut because then that enters a whole new world with your pestos and things of that what
0: about what was the third one you said Hazelnut. Yeah. So have you ever eaten a hazelnut? Like an actual just plain straight up hazelnut? Or are we talking you like hazelnuts mixed like, with chocolate?
1: I like Nutella, really, is what we're going yeah. with okay, here. okay. All right. All right.
0: Cause, well, that's fair.
1: Yeah. Because I got to tell you, you know, I'm not – i I'll eat cashews. I don't actively seek them out. Uh, I'm not particularly wild. I do
0: think a cashew is more decadent than an almond. Yes, for um, sure.
1: But like you said, yeah. your almond is your everyday nut. It's good for you. <clears throat> they make, they play well with others. I enjoy sticking one into a raspberry and just having that. Yeah. It's just like a little bite. Um, if
0: I have to have like a mix of like, quote unquote, everyday nuts, I'm going to go for a mix that's got the almond, the cashew, the pistachio, and probably a walnut in it. Yeah. Um, all very heart healthy nuts. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cashews a little questionable.
1: We're, we're uh, ignoring the peanut. Although I don't know if it's technically a nut. There's that it is
0: not a nut.
1: There is itself. that famous Linda Richmond Saturday night live thing where a peanut is neither a peanut or nut. discuss. <clears throat> Do you count the coconut as a nut? I suppose you could, but just something nah. <clears throat> you're welcome to send in your, uh, Send favorite in your, nuts. Send in your favorite nuts, and let's make sure they're of the edible variety, please.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure those other ones are edible too. Oh, dear Lord! Uh,
1: <laughs> I suppose you are right. Um, uh uh-huh. Everything good? Your your multiple projects. Your multiple. Uh,
0: yeah, I had a cool idea for a lab this week. Um, I'll, I'll explain it to you, I guess. Um, so you know. I wanted to write a a, a pH lab, an introduction to pH. You know pH, right?
1: Thing Um, in pools, right?
0: Yeah. Whether something's acidic, neutral, or basic. Yes. And we won't go too far into what all that stuff means, but there's usually a very traditional lab exercise that you'll do as an introduction to the concept of pH, where and in biology, it's almost always tied to the concept of buffers, Buffers are solutions that are resistant to change in pH. So like in the typical lab, you'll take a solution of just water. You'll add a little bit of really dilute hydrochloric acid to it. And you'll see the pH goes from, say, you know, a nice neutral seven of water to three with only a couple of drops of the acid. Um, And you might show okay, let's do that same experiment, adding the acid, but to a different solution. Let's add it to, uh, say, a salt solution. And again, maybe with, you know, sodium chloride table salt in there. And again, you see just a couple of drops of acid and the pH shifts very much so. Um, And then usually what you do in this lab is like you'll have a mixture of like a protein of some sort, usually like bovine serum albumin, BSA. And you'll see you'll add a couple of drops of acid and it actually doesn't shift very much because the protein itself is sort of absorbing those hydrogen ions um, by shifting its structure. And this is how some of, some of the things in your body work. Like in the blood, one of the major buffering components is simply the hemoglobin protein that you find in your red blood cells is actually able to absorb quite a lot of pH shift. Um, but then there's other chemicals called buffers that are a mixture of a conjugate acid and a conjugate base, and you add a little bit of acid to this solution, and you get pretty much no pH shift whatsoever. And the thing that I was thinking about is, that's a very common lab, and the whole thing with the buffer, to really understand what a buffer is, um, a buffer is, again, I said it before, it's a mix of a conjugate base, of a base and its conjugate acid, a weak acid conjugate base usually is how it's phrased, but you can phrase it either way. Um, so basically what that means is you would take a chemical that has, say like, um, so like if you were to mix baking soda with carbonic acid, um, basically that would make a buffer that was very resistant to changes in pH because, you have the baking soda which can absorb hydrogen ions and you've got the carbonic acid which can absorb hydroxyl ions which is base free base molecules in a solution so again you don't you don't get big pH shifts so then what i was thinking was why doesn't anybody do this it's a very elegant experiment i've never seen it done in the lab i was searching online i've never seen any exercises written like this why not just take the component chemicals of a buffer so for example, um, take car- bicarbonate as a solution, add some acid, see the pH shift, take carbonic acid, add some P- add some acid, see the pH shift, then have the student themselves mix the two together, add an acid and you see the pH doesn't shift. like it's very it's very elegant. like I don't know why we don't do it that way. why have we, why don't we just actually look at the components of the buffer? And see that they, on their own, they do shift the pH. But when you combine them together and add acid, they're resistant. I feel like that just much more elegantly, I keep using that word, but I feel like that just very straightforwardly demonstrates the power of a buffer, of how you can take these two things, which on their own, are susceptible to this shift in acidity, and then just have the student add them together. And you can see how much more resistance it comes. I feel like that's a very um, straightforward way for the student to really just see the whole point and purpose of a buffer. And I don't know why labs aren't written like to do that. I mean, I had the thought that maybe the component mixtures on their own were, too, were still too resistant to pH change. So I asked a staff member to test some of it out for me today. And certainly, they are more resistant than water or just a regular table salt solution. But I think it's going to work out beautifully. I think um, like the base solution um, would swing a full pH unit with like a mill of acid being added. Um, the, con- the 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 uh, weak acid shifted a full pH unit with like. Three mils of acid, and then the buffer, when combined, was able to absorb like twenty-four mils of acid before it shifted anywhere. Um, it again, I don't know why this lab isn't always done like this. It, it, when it, when it finally came to me, I was like, "This is so simple. Why is it? Why is it not taught this way?"
1: Dare I say, it's elegant. I think it is now the explanation they would then be able to, would they then be able to explain? Because I'm imagining myself taking this class, having next to no science knowledge, and I do part A, and I do part B, and I do part C, and yeah, I can explain what happened, but are you then going to have to ask me why it happened, or are you then going to tell me why it happened?
0: Well, it's a little bit of column A and it's a little bit of column B, right? Um the way I figure it is a lab needs to reinforce the concepts that you're learning elsewhere in the course and lecture primarily. And certainly in lecture you're learning the textbook definition of what a buffer is. You're told it's a mixture of a conjugate of a weak acid and its conjugate base and you're told it's very important that you mix these two things together to get that solution that's capable capable of resisting A change in pH, and you know, if you're basing it just purely off of a lecture, yes, you're being told, and it's purely, um, it's pure memorization, really. But if you're able to put the components in front of the student, and then they're actually able to go through and test it on their own, I hope that that you know that physical experience when they're sitting down at the test and they're trying to remember, oh yeah, what is a buffer? Maybe they can think back to doing it in lab. They're like, okay, so we took this one chemical and we did this other chemical and we actually combined them together ourselves. So you know what I mean? like yeah. so it, it's it's giving you that basis of having done something mm-hmm. with it to help you remember and explain, hopefully the concept.
1: Well, and I think that's why this I think that's why this lab in particular and probably other ones that you've come up with, You are giving them a practical application. And while I didn't take a ton of science classes, I don't remember there being a ton of practical applications. And I don't remember there being a ton of, oh, okay, so this is why X, Y, and Z happens. And again, that's probably just that I was a very poor college student. But I also think that's what makes these labs interesting to you is because you're coming at it not from a lecturer standpoint and not from this super high pedestal standpoint. It's you're doing the labs and you're like, okay, well this would make sense and this would make sense and people would understand it. And you're taking all of the chaff away and you're boiling it Mm. down to, okay, here are the essential pieces. And, By focusing only on those pieces and by having it go exactly so, you're making a much what would be a much more meaningful lab. We talk about that in education. Like sometimes you have to just kind of cut away the extra frilly bits and be like, no, we're doing this. I'm going to show you how to add two digit numbers. We're not going to play 40 days of let's do this game. Let's do this game. Let's do this game here's how to do it. Let's practice it. Okay, now, you know, many of you figure it out and we talk about here's why it works. So, yeah, I'm quite impressed by you, Doc Manson. I always have been and I always shall be.
0: Thank you. Um, I'm also trying to come up with a uh, an advanced buffer lab for later in the semester. Um, and one of the things that I feel like Students have trouble understanding. There's three major buffer systems in the body, and buffers are important in biological systems because, again, they resist changes to pH, um, and that's important because you know your your cells are full of things like proteins, mm-hmm. and proteins need to be functional, and if you shift too acidic or too basic, your proteins will unfold and they won't function, so you die. Basically, Um, And there's three major buffering systems in the body. There's a phosphate buffer system that's used in various organs. There's the protein buffering system I talked about in the blood. And then there's another one in the blood called uh, a carbonate buffer system. Um, And the way this one works, it actually doesn't contribute much buffering capacity. The, The protein, the hemoglobin, does the majority of this in the blood. But what it does do is basically you have metabolism happening at your at the cells, right? And metabolism, you're burning sugars and you're creating waste products. The primary waste product being made is carbon dioxide. Yes. That gets absorbed into the blood. And in the blood, it gets turned into carbonic acid. So that way, because that's what's soluble in liquid, um, the carbon dioxide itself is a gas. So it gets sort of turned into carbonic acid and it travels in your blood all the way to your lungs, and then there's these little capillaries in your lungs, and that's where the gas exchange happens. The carbonic acid, because the differences in pressure, comes out of the liquid. It becomes CO2 again, and it gets exchanged for oxygen, right? So the thing that's weird about this buffering system, and the thing that I think students have trouble understanding is um, when when you get CO2 from the cells, right, that becomes carbonic acid in the blood, your blood becomes more acidic. And then when you get all the way to the lungs and you get rid of the carbon dioxide, it goes away and you're bringing oxygen in. That's shifting you back basic, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And people
0: have trouble understanding this because, you know, when they think about pH, they're thinking usually about hydrogen ions. You know, they're thinking about free hydrogen molecules, not carbon dioxide. There's no hydrogen in carbon dioxide. So they, I think they get very confused. And one, so one thing I was thinking about doing is we can make a carbonate buffer in the lab and we can put some sort of indicator in there. Um, There's a few different ones, bromophenol blue, bromomethyl, what something, but like, so you can have it be basically like blue in color, right? And then when it becomes acidic, it'll become more yellow. And so what I was thinking is, again, I feel like this is a, this is a system that students don't really understand how it works. So let's take this carbonate buffer, add the indicator, and then we'll make, off to the side, we'll have like a test tube, right? With a cork on top and a tube that comes out of it. And what I'm thinking is, we'll in that test tube, we'll have a reaction going that produces carbon dioxide, something simple. Baking soda, vinegar, probably will be plenty to do for this, right? You take that tube, you stick it into your carbonate buffer solution with the indicator in it, and what you're doing is when you set off that reaction in the test tube, you're basically simulating cell metabolism, right? CO2 is being produced. It's going through the tube into the buffer. You're going to see the buffer shift acidic. That's basically half of the blood system. Then you can take that out. I'm thinking we'll take like a, a, an air pump from an aquarium with like a, an air stone on the end of it. We'll put that then into the buffer run just you know air through it, bubbling through it, and that'll shift it back basic. And the students will be able to actually physically see a full respiration cycle right in front of them, how this carbonic acid is shifting, acidic, and basic based off of the introduction of carbon dioxide and oxygen from the air. Um, I think that's going to be a really cool experiment too. I don't really see people doing that experiment either.
1: Sounds like you should be running far more than you are like there should be i i'm ready i'm ready for you to mr wizard this shit get yourself, know, right? a, TV, get yourself a tv show you're already going to be on tv as the gm of improvised multiverse wrestling yes. this is just your natural segue and you just start doing these experiments honestly while like i think it would be great to do that there's a market for a series of videos that sort you know, sure. where you did a video like that and you explained it and then could connect it in. Um, yeah. You know, so folks, if you ever wondered, Doc Manson really is a doctor, as evidenced by the fact <laughs> that he just nerded out and he, he would, like, he had the, the smile when he's the same smile that he has for horror movies, slightly less, but he had that same smile. Uh, talking here about uh, air pumps and conjugal visits and between acids and bases. And I think I got it right. Right. That's close enough. Yeah. Close enough. Okay. So if you'd like, if you'd like
0: to. I'm trying to introduce more common sense experiments into the lab. I think they will help understanding
1: when we are all vaccinated and I can come to campus and, and go to your lab again, if you want to, you know, really say, will this work for even the least common sense person? Let me call DC and bring him in. And if he can understand well, this experiment
0: in fairness, I mean, I am designing this for a course for majors. So in theory, oh. it's not, it's not somebody with no
1: background. To that be, fair, be I, followed, I followed along with that second one
0: a little bit more yeah. than
1: I did with the first one. Yeah. Because again, again, I, I mean, pH, I'm sure I hear pH, I think swimming pools.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's a good basis. But yeah, there's a lot of context there. Writing a lab manual, that's, you know, obviously I'm coming up with these experiments, but putting all that context down, that background information, the introductions to the experiments, that's where a lot of the text is. You know, getting to under, explain and under, and hope the student understands those concepts before you then bring them into the experimental portion of sure. it. But anyways. Are we doing improvised uh, multiverse wrestling without GQ?
1: I'm fine with it. All right. Um, so we start yeah. week two. Oh, so, yeah, so, so let's let's recap. So uh, you know we we drafted two weeks ago. We drafted uh, a 16 person roster for yes. improvised multiverse wrestling. We're sticking with current talents. We're not yet branching out into past wrestlers or various versions of wrestlers. Uh and the one thing we knew is that we needed the big dude championship. And so week one featured five triple threat matches versus with that included all of our talent. Um, if you're wondering how that works mathematically, the iconics always wrestle as a team. And they yep. so uh we had five of them And now we're heading into it. And we had a little bit of drama in that Iconics match with Kevin Owens and Cesaro. And the issue was, if I remember correctly, Kevin Owens pinned one of the Iconics. But you technically have to beat both of them in order for them to lose. I think that's
0: the argument that's going to start this show. I think week two, the Iconics come out to the ring. They plead their case. They say only one set of shoulders We're down in that match. Yep. I think Cesaro and Owens come out and say, this is insane. And I think Doc Manson comes out and says, no, they've got a point.
1: Yeah. And so we restart the match. The iconic that was pinned, whomever that was, Billy or Peyton, is at ringside. And it's the other one versus Owens versus Cesaro in yet another
0: triple threat match. I think Billy got pinned the first week, and that way Payton gets to shine a little bit here. She's sure. got the better wrestling chops. I'd like okay. to see her in. Meanwhile, Billy would bit. be
1: great at ringside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we have that match going on. Owens got yep. the win in the first one. I believe we said Cesaro would be getting the win in this one, pinning
0: the other iconic. Was that correct? We could do that. But then if we do that, that puts does that now put Cesaro into the next part of this tournament?
1: Well, I think that was our question. Our question was, you know, so we have five technically we had five winners. So we have to decide what to do next with that. Um so you could do that, or so it would be Cesaro, in which case there would be six, or well then now Owens. Well that would be Cesaro. five,
0: wouldn't it? Well, if Cesaro wins, that's five. That gives us an uneven number. Or oh, because Owens won last time.
1: Yes. So then oh, what I, I believe is now you have Owens won one, Cesaro won one. So technically, do they have to wrestle again? Do they go on the next week? So, so that would be the question for then authority figure Doc Manson. And again, whether that happens on week two or week three is Owens is like, I beat one. And Cesaro is like, I beat the other one. So do you have six? You know, six would make sense for some sort of chamber match or something if we wanted to do something of that nature as like a, you know, but again, that's that's booking a little ahead. Or do they have to plead their case and they wrestle one more time in some sort of stipulation match? And
0: no, you know, I think it gives us five. But you're right. I think now Owens makes the case. Well, I won last time. Cesaro says I won this time. And the authority figure again comes out and says, well, you both won a qualifying match. Yeah. So you're both in the next round of the tournament and you're going to face each other tonight.
1: Yeah. So, again, we're trying not to book too far ahead. Yeah. I, I did have an idea for a sort of beat the clock challenge, which is always a little of a weird gimmick. But uh, if we're heading towards some sort of big match, it would be a whomever beats their opponent in the fastest time has some sort of advantage in whatever the matchup is. I'm not necessarily s- sold on that idea, but it was something I was pondering
0: as yeah, the week I, went you know, on. I, I, I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind. Okay. And my pitch right here would be, so we're started the show with that triple threat. Yep. Yeah. We've set the stage that Owens and Cesaro are going to have to wrestle a second time, probably at the end of the night, right? Oh, okay. Because just now, just looking at the rest of the show, I mean, last week we had one, two, three, four, five matches. At the moment, we've got two on the card. If we do now, we put together the rest of the tournament, right? We put together two more matches here um, based off of the winners from the last week's tournament that goes pretty good far towards filling up this card this week. Okay. Cause I get, I don't think we want to do too much right now only because I think everybody who's in this promotion is working towards that big dude championship. If that's the big title in so the that, promotion that
1: needs to be, we can't, that needs to be settled. So my question then becomes for the people who didn't, all the people who lost, your your AJ Styles, your Ricochets, your Adam Coles, your Charlottes, are they just, you know, I guess my question is, are we going to try to feature everybody every week or are we leaving that aside and we're just going with, we're going to be telling the stories that need telling and if people are off TV for a while, that's okay.
0: I think it's okay but hear me out here. I think we could do since we since we need to, since if since we were if we're going to set up some more matches here. I mean, I don't know if we want to do Brian Cage versus Rhea Ripley and Big E versus Keith Lee if we just want to get those on the card or if we want to mix those names up differently. Think about who you'd like to see face who. But then what I'm thinking is everybody else who wrestled the week before and lost, including the iconics who half of which you know wrestled earlier the show. We do a loser's bracket, battle royal, and the winner gets back into the tournament. Oh.
1: Interesting. Because the only other storyline that we had talked about last week was the idea of Ken Shamrock. You know, I drafted Ken Shamrock with this idea of, you know, almost like old man Logan Like, he knows he's only got a certain number of matches left. He wants to be a part of this. Hmm. And Doc Manson, the GM, the authority figure, is not wild about the fact that Ken Shamrock is here. because, And I think we talked about it. Doc Manson would much prefer to put Otis in. You are taking Otis's spot. And so I believe we had some sort of confrontation in which uh, basically Doc was going to come out and say, you're not supposed to be here. It, it like it pains me. I lie awake at night just thinking of how you are taking money. You are taking food out of Otis's mouth by by being here instead of him.
0: And that mouth takes a lot of food, yeah.
1: okay? And so, you know, one of my thoughts was because I had this idea of, you know, him having to deal with increasing levels of difficulty And him just finding a way to win, finding a way to win. Now that could mean we're putting you in this battle royal. If you lose the battle royal, you're done. Like if you don't win, or it could
0: mean I don't want you here. So I don't think you even deserve a shot to get back into this tournament. So you don't get to enter into the battle royal. Everyone else does.
1: Yeah, I did have a, a moment of being like his first matchup could be because I hadn't thought of the Battle Royal. I love that idea. Since Angel Garza and Ricochet also got, they got squashed by Brian Cage in week one. Him being like, you have to wrestle the two of them in a handicap match. Because they, you know, and, you know, again, if they beat you, but actually I think your idea might be better in the whole, like, you don't get a shot. So that way, you know, Ken Shamrock has a, has a storyline, but not a match. In fact, get out of here.
0: Yeah, it builds resentment between Shamrock and the authority yeah. figure. I think it works
1: because that means eventually we're going to get Ken Shamrock versus Doc Mans- Manson in some sort of ultimate submission match sort of thing.
0: Potentially, potentially, <laughs> although Doc Manson might have a Matanza up his sleeve. We don't know. Oh, that's true.
1: Have I been saying Otis this whole time? What I (laughs) meant was that would be great, wouldn't it? All right, Cobb. Um, Oh, yeah. I think you're right. I think we do wrong thing. I think you do Brian Cage versus Rhea Ripley. All right. And then you do Biggie versus Keith Lee in your two big men slapping meat sort of thing. Um,
0: I think Ken Shamrock approaches me backstage. He asks, "What's going on?" Since you know what's going on for all the rest of the talent that aren't involved in this in this tournament anymore, I tell him that I've got plans for the battle royal there tonight. But we go through the whole rigmarole, like you said. Yeah, I say, but frankly, I don't think you belong here. So why don't you just uh, get changed and head on out for the night? Because you're not in this battle royal. Take the yeah. rest of the week off.
1: Now, does he? So. Normally, in any other wrestling promotion, he shows up again in some form or fashion. He's either wearing a mask (laughs) as some sort of mask surprise entrant, or he somehow shows up to screw up something. So, you know, either Doc has a preferred winner and... You know, Shamrock runs through the crowd, because I'm assuming we have crowds in the improvised multiverse wrestling, and you know, helps eliminate Doc's prized guy, whether that's Mm. Brock or I think
0: I think you're on to something here because you know, if I was just looking at the loser's bracket battle royal, I would probably say Brock Lesnar has to come out of that the winner. Yeah. But if we've got a heat-seeking Ken Shamrock missile heading right for Brock. That sets up a future storyline.
1: Yeah. I I think think that's Yeah. But is that too much
0: for Ken Shamrock? Is that too much? Because we've already got a storyline for Ken right now. You know, he's got the week off. Do we want to further it that much more? Because if he takes out Brock, I think the next step is Shamrock versus Brock. Versus Brock. do we want to spend more time building to that? Probably.
1: Probably, probably. Hmm. We could defy expectation. We don't have to do this like everyone else. That, like, we could have literally, like, Shamrock goes home.
0: Yeah, and the following week, I can be like, "You didn't show up in a mask. You just don't have the gumption, old man." Yeah. Anybody else would have shown up and again defied my defied my my authority, but you. You just took your ball and you went home, proving everything I was saying about you.
1: I understand. I know the answer again to this. You don't worry that this is quickly turning into Doc Manson being a part of four or five segments a night because you're now opening the show to deal with the Iconics. Then you're going to deal with Owens and Cesaro to set up the main event match. Then you're going to deal with Ken Shamrock. So that's... Here's
0: Here's the thing. I will say... Um, I understand the point you're making. Personally, if you're going to have a general manager on a show, I think their fingerprints should be all over the show. When when on raw, when they would have a, a general manager who would show up and only you know make matches that had to do with the heavyweight title, like when the authority was around and like the whole rest of the card just seemed like it was being put together willy-nilly. That always bothered me. Shouldn't the authority actually be exercising authority over the whole roster? That so, I, I personally think it makes a certain degree of sense, but I could see it becoming too much. So, I will err to some degree to your your judgment here.
1: I always think Doc Manson deserves more praise. So, I have yeah, no problem yeah. with with you being a a big part of this of this. How I'm much, very how, happy. I mean,
0: on, uh, on, on Lucha Underground, what was that guy's name? The, um...
1: Dario Cueto.
0: Cueto, yeah. He was around quite a bit, wasn't he?
1: He was. well. And What I loved about that is he had an office in the arena. Yeah. Like, yeah. he had the door. So, it made it look like he was literally right there the entire time. So, I actually, you know, whether or not, you know, we do something like that, I don't know. I'm very happy. I'm assuming GQ and I are the commentary team. I'm just that's that's kind of what I'm 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 figuring is GQ and I are on commentary. You're the authority figure. Maybe at some point we play around with that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So we've got our triple threat match. We've got our two tournament matches. We've got and we're saying
0: we're saying Brian Cage is going to beat Ray Ripley.
1: And I think we said Biggie was going to beat Keith Lee. Okay, based on based on earlier discussions about the Big Dude Championship, uh, <clears throat> now we have this losers bracket battle royal. So that's Angel Garza, Ricochet, AJ, Charlotte, Brock. Technically, uh, one of the iconics, if not both of the iconics,
0: I'd say both
1: Adam Cole and Oscar. And as you wonderfully booked. Whoever wins that is suddenly now back in the tournament. So, Who, who's now, your
0: favorite to win the battle royal?
1: Like you said, I feel Brock- like we're we're
0: we're on, we're on a weird we're on weird footing with Brock because Brock needs to feel like Shao Khan, but he he lost his first match. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't pinned necessarily, but
1: no, no, it's one of those things that Brock would have been the guy I saved. And maybe, you know, retroactively speaking, Brock doesn't even show. He's just kind of like, fuck this. And, Hmm. you know, maybe that's why he didn't win is he was just like, I'm not participating. Let me know when there's a champion
0: and I'll beat him. Ooh, I like that.
1: And so he doesn't then show up tonight
0: up, and we have that confrontation next week. Where were you, Brock?
1: Yeah, where he's I just like, like yeah, I think that's it. He does. You know, so maybe he maybe he doesn't show or he kind of just half heartedly puts effort into that first match. He doesn't show up for the battle royal. He's not an entrant. So that way, when there is a confrontation, he's just like, just oh. tell me when there's I mean, yes. I don't want to.
0: I don't know if we need to go into the past to, uh, you know, fix the canon. but they had that triple threat match the first week. Brock came out to the ring. Big E's out there. Ken Shamrock's out there. Brock just starts laughing at Ken Shamrock, waves the two of them off. That's, he that's walks what I'm saying. To the back. And that's that what match I'm saying. was actually Big E versus Ken A singles Ken match. Yes. Yeah. He was just like,
1: no. And so uh-huh. then you have this losers you have this losers bracket battle royal. Brock's music hits like we never see him in episode two. He's just not right. there. Mm-hmm. And so that way that sets up in week three. Doc Manson approaches him and goes, "Dude, you didn't show up for week one. You didn't." Sh-. And and again, he kind of laughs at him and he's like, "Look, this is this this little like thing you are doing. This little thing you are doing is cute. Let me know when you have a champion, and I'll beat him."
0: I love it. I love it. I mean, let's not get too crazy into week three, but let's make some notes. Let's make some notes. Uh, so if Brock isn't showing in the loser's bracket battle royal. That, then
1: us? if you take him out of the equation, it's Charlotte or Asuka. I, th- I think... I think... I, I can make I have, can make
0: an argument for... Uh, oh, she's not in the match. Right. I was going to say Ray Ripley, but she's not in the match.
1: No. Okay. So, yeah. Unless, gonna, unless hmm. they're... Unless they're part of the, you know, technically, if we're going in order, technically, Brian Cage and Ray Ripley and Biggie and Keith Lee have already happened, so Keith it. Lee and Ray Ripley lost. They could be.
0: I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no on yeah. that. Um but, you know, but and who's okay? This might help answer the question. So let's jump forward for a second here. Who's going to win Owens versus Cesaro? Because I would love to see Oscar versus Cesaro in the next round of the tournament. I am, yeah. What?
1: So again, I think GQ. This is the issue booking. I'm going to speak for GQ. Okay. I am pretty sure that he has a final in mind of who he'd like to be the final two in this tournament. Now we were trying not to book backwards but I think he was hoping to see two of the big bruisers going at it in the finals. So while I agree, I would love to see Owens versus uh, or Cesaro versus Oscar.
0: Right. That doesn't work out. Hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, You know, you could,
0: wouldn't it be beautiful if the Iconics won
1: again technically
0: they just become the cockroaches of our division you can't (laughs) get rid of them but at the same time I'd love to see someone like AJ Styles get that shot too I mean those would be some good matches as well um, Adam Cole even. I'm, no, I'm not a huge Adam Cole fan, but I'll watch Adam Cole versus Brian Cage all day long next round that tournament.
1: I'm assuming, just moving out of IMW for a second, I'm assuming you did not watch NXT Vengeance Day?
0: No, no, no. Okay. Why?
1: Adam Adam Cole. At the, so the main event was Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne for okay. the title. Finn Balor retains. Um Pete Dunn's little faction attacks. The Undisputed Era makes the save, and it looks like you're like Finn Balor's gonna join the Undisputed Era. And then Adam Cole super kicks Balor. Kyle O'Reilly gets mad because Balor and O'Reilly have this little, res, you know, grudging respect for each other because they beat the hell out of each other so many times. And then Adam Cole super kicked Kyle O'Reilly. Ooh. So, so it seems as if the Undisputed Era. Is imploding.
0: Okay. So just Adam Cole's <clears throat> in the middle of something. I um, did turn on Raw a little bit this week, by the way. Interesting. First time I've watched it in a while. I don't even really remember what I watched. If you're gonna turn just on weekly,
1: if you're gonna turn on weekly wrestling, I highly suggest it be SmackDown. Because SmackDown from yeah. all reports, while I'm not watching, Smackdown appears to be the best thing going.
0: The At thing least that in I'll terms say of is
1: the big brands.
0: I was watching and, you know, the Thunderdome thing is interesting. It's, you know, I think. And the, the one addition that they've made, and this is probably old no- news to you, but on top of, you know, the faces of the Thunderdome, they're now pumping in crowd noise. Yes. And it's ebbing and flowing with the moves of the match. And while, yes, I understand it's artificial and there, I, I have to applaud whoever's doing the sound design. Go ahead, Uh, because it just seems like if there's somebody on a trigger somewhere who who's who's fading up and down that 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 crowd noise in response to those moves, that guy deserves a pay raise because he was doing quite a great job.
1: So I know of at least one Martin who's been in the Thunderdome like I've seen him on and there is apparently a window or something that pops up that has basically cheer or boo and they want you at that time to vote and they won't tell, they won't tell you what to vote for. But I wonder if the, the stronger, you know, if 87% of the people are clicking the boo button for Randy Orton, if that leads to a more emphatic
0: reaction. And I'm going to be honest with you watching it this week. It did not, feel like one of those empty arena pandemic shows. Yeah, it sort of it was it was the Miz. I was watching the Miz versus Kofi Kingston, actually. Um, that's what I was watching. It It was all right. It was all Good. right.
1: Good. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been trying to catch up on NXT and NXT UK. NXT UK still very much feels like an empty arena, which is fine. Um, NXT has. I think some of their performance center people like in the front row and then the Thunderdome behind them and it works. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there is some sort of interactive voting that leads to, you know, I don't know how they do it, but it, it is nice. It is a nice addition to have actual crowd noise.
0: Mm. Back to IMW for a second. I think sort. what we need to do to finish up week two is. I think you need to choose a winner between Owens versus Cesaro. And I think the losers bracket battle Royal. We don't choose a winner and GQ gets to choose a winner next week. Perfect. Okay. That's very fair.
1: Um, I am going to choose Cesaro. Uh, not just because I've been watching him on Uno every week. Um, right. But also, if you haven't seen his promo from Talking Smack last week, take a couple minutes. It's there's always going to be a little bit of an issue with a Cesaro promo because English is not his first language, but it is probably the best promo I've ever heard from him. Um, I like Cesaro.
0: I, said, I don't. Yeah. I. Don't, I mean, I understand the accent and all that, and it's not first. Lang- I've never had a problem with it.
1: Should we text GQ and, or should we actually just wait and we'll walk you well, through? We'll
0: just, I think we'll do it next week. We'll All get right. him a little bit caught up and he can make his choices known then.
1: All right. So GQ. Pick. So to, to review, Yeah. Uh, the Iconics come out to complain to start the show because uh, only one of them got pinned. Doc Manson restarts the match. Owens, Cesaro, Peyton Royce. This time, Cesaro gets the win.
0: And he actually pins both iconics, or no, he pins he, Peyton. Maybe. He
1: pins Peyton. He pins the other iconic. Okay. So Brian Cage beats Rhea Ripley, Big E beats Keith Lee. Somewhere in there, in some little segment, Owens and Cesaro are arguing because Owens pinned one iconic, Cesaro pinned the other iconic. How are we going to, who wins? Doc Matson and in his infinite wisdom. Two of you are going to wrestle in the main event. Winners in, end of story. Yep. Uh Ken Shamrock goes to Doc at one point and asks, "What's happening with, you know, what the what rest we of all, the roster?" Yeah, you know, the entire show up until this point has been about the Big Dude Championship. Not all of us are in that, right? Doc lays into him because he's not supposed to be here. It, mm-hmm. it plagues him that Ken Shamrock's part of this roster. Uh, I can
0: see Ken Shamrock coming up. I'm a veteran. I'm a leader of this locker room. I feel like I need yeah. answers from you. And I just yeah, take it the wrong way.
1: Yeah. yeah sends him home. So yep. we're having losers. bracket battle royal, but you're not even part of it. Get out. And Shamrock does. We have the battle royal, which GQ will pick Brock Lesnar's music hits. He doesn't show main event. Cesaro beats Kevin Owens. So our beautiful. Are we have cage? Big E, Cesaro, and a as yet to be determined fourth entrant at the finals of
0: our tournament. Mm. Mm.
1: Works for you? Yeah.
0: I think so. I think so. And All I think, right. you know, we're going to have next week, we're going to see Brian Cage versus Cesaro, and it's going to be Big E versus the winner of that bracket. Cesaro,
1: Big E versus Battle Royal winner, Doc and Shamrock Continue. where was the mask. Because I like <laughs> I like that.
0: I do too. That's beautiful.
1: Doc Manson at times kind of sort of breaks the fourth wall and it's like <laughs> I have 30 something years of watching wrestling.
0: We know Hell, how this works.
1: <laughs> All right. Another excellent week of IMW uh shall we turn to the emails is there anything else I think so as well uh yeah podcast at ddtwrestling.com we have four emails including a couple that came um I believe right around the time I think after we recorded but these are about a week old now the first one from Ethan Strange someone we don't hear from all the time
0: Gauntlet match. I would like to see a women's gauntlet match to help build some newer stars and have gained momentum. I'd like to see Naomi or Sonya Deville get the Kofi mania treatment. What do you guys think? Ethan Strange, Athlon Stranger, 81.
1: Uh, I hadn't read the email. Now I know who this is. Well, hello, Ethan Strange. How are you doing? Um, yeah, it's, it's rough going for the women right now. Uh, In that, you know, you've got Sasha and Bianca. They're clearly heading towards a uh, WrestleMania main event, which will be good. Um, No idea what is happening with the Raw women's title right now. And Mm. Asuka. Um, I really wish they would use you. Ethan mentions a women's gauntlet match. I really wish we were having Elimination Chamber is coming up um, this weekend. And I wish the women's tag team was having a chamber match. They could put six teams together. And uh, I think that would be great. And it doesn't seem to be the case. The, the two chamber matches we know about are both men's. So. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it certainly, if it seems, if it sounds like the women are taking a bit of backseat, not much known going on. Yeah. I think they need to inject a little bit of life into that division yeah. from the sounds of it.
1: I, you know, I was talking to somebody. I think it was the Mindless Musings uh, just the other day, if not this morning. Um, where's a women's mid card title?
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say I think the WWE as a whole suffers from too many titles. Um, did they finally yeah. get rid of one of the tag titles? There's only one now. Mm-hmm. Or? No, There's I wish they two. would.
1: Yeah, see, still that's a Raw champion, is, is, and like, champion.
0: I feel like, it's to some degree, the women's divisions are just the tag divisions part two, which is to say it's around when it's convenient, but for the, there's no strong yeah. drive towards having That's why I included. thought, you know,
1: have a chamber match. That gives 12 women a shot, a chance in the spotlight to shine. Make that, you know, and I do think you you could condense those tag, the raw tag team titles. Right now, the champions are uh, the Hurt Business And I want to say Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode are the current SmackDown tag team champions. And I don't... Yeah. So you've got Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander on one show, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode on the other show. I like all four of them. You don't need four of them, all four of them to be champions. So (laughs) are you excited for the Elimination Chamber?
0: No. Okay. Just thought I'd ask. Uh, yeah. Chris Hawk, good day, gents. Doc and GQ need to watch The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel and discuss it on Horrid. Sent for my iPhone. Chris, Bubby, baby. I'm not even a horror
1: fan, and I can tell you, GQ will not be discussing anything on the Horrid podcast. Maybe <laughs> they would discuss that on Sound Scary, but, but- the Horrid is is Doc's baby.
0: I'm not overly familiar with The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel either but I it's on Netflix now. I think I think it's a isn't it a documentary though? Like is that even a work of fiction? I'm looking I, at I'm it. not sure it's the sort of thing we would discuss but I mean one day maybe. ago
1: headline why Netflix Cecil Hotel is an irresponsible bloated mess.
0: Hmm. Yeah, this looks like it's yeah, it's a documentary interesting with a I wonder 2. why rating. Uh, why do you think we should be talking is it I don't know I guess I don't I don't know much about it Seahawk did you watch it was it good I mean what's what's the motivation here anyways I mean I'd be interested to hear
1: our next email comes from Danielle day one day one hello I am out here in the country and Brownie the German Shepherd husky runs out in the snow and rolls around in the little flakes like a little kid making snow angels. The snow here is beginning to make its way through Oklahoma, and I am here at my friend's country house for a lintel winter retreat. We are expected to get two feet of snowdrifts and at least one foot of snow and thick ice. This is a historic and dangerous blizzard with negative wind chills taking us below zero degrees, Fahrenheit for all our UK besties, that it will also snow in my hometown in Texas next week, which is seven hours south of me and near Houston. I'm going to pause the email. It's crazy. Like they, you know, did you see the thing about uh, the mayor that, (laughs) that wrote basically fend for yourselves only the strong will survive and then had to resign as being mayor because you're Uh not supposed to say that.
0: I just think it's great how also the governor is out there blaming the green new deal, a piece of legislation that hasn't even been voted on yet. Like, and and again, he's out there saying this is the fault of renewable energy and unreliable wind and solar power. And it's just like, you do realize ask any of the people working in the field in Texas, the issue is primarily the gas power plants aren't operational. Um, they produce they produce twice as much power as do the renewable sources of energy. So it, it's just such an in inge- it, it's just such a poor argument. It boggles the mind. But hey, that's an I, entire party in politics now is based around arguments with no basis in fact. And that's it hurts. They're not my even brain. trying
1: any- They're not no. even trying anymore. They're not. It's just we could I'm gonna say whatever. Uh-huh. And that's and that's the legacy that's the legacy that the former mm-hmm. president has left. It's it's not not going to be anything else except you just
0: say whatever. You say whatever and, you want. Yep. And that's suddenly and, yeah. fact for some reason. All right. Back to yeah.
1: the email before we rant.
0: Ah, I agree.
1: More. While I haven't yet listened to this weekend's podcast episode, I believe she means last weekend. I just wanted to go ahead and email you guys now thanks to a random random number generator, 56 out of 100. I wrote out a brain dump list and then used the generator to pick which task I would start with as a schoolwork break. Danielle, I applaud that. That is is absolutely something I would do. Love it. Uh, Here are my questions for this week. How common is it for friends to be in an older or younger generation? For example, I am at a friend and coworker's house during this winter storm to give my roommates a break from me. <laughs> I also know that cabin fever in my apartment with three other people I have butted heads with can be stressful. And Jupiter will be fine with... Anyways. My friend and her husband are in their 50s, and we all operate in the same homebody manner. I usually get to come out here at least once a week or every other week to help them do stuff around the ranch and in their house while jamming out to Hamilton or yelling at the TV during presidential debates. Like now we are watching day four of the impeachment trials. I was here for day one. Good for you. Um, How many of your friends are of an older or younger generation?
0: I don't have many friends. um, So that's Neither probably I, truthfully. a big part of it, but um, pretty much none, pretty much none for me personally. Yeah.
1: You know, like, uh, the, the team I work on has a woman who is, I will graciously say, maybe her upper 40s okay. um, and a you know, first year teacher that's 22, 23 years old. So we are, I would say there's probably about a 12 to 15 year gap between all yeah. three of us, you know, 12 and 12, but. Um, but now we're just, uh, we're discussing between friends and coworkers and I'm not, you know, yeah. Like friendly. Them,
0: I, I do work with, you know, a range of ages, but I don't consider any of my, cause they're really not coworkers. They're staff for me. Yeah. So, you know, you have a different they're situation
1: because they are technically subordinates.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a little different, but
1: yeah. yeah. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it, you know, if you happen to. But yeah, I, I don't. Although then again, Glenn's sixty-one years old. Oh, hey, I that's true. a friend,
0: I wasn't Jeremy's even in of the his
1: besties. yeah. Jeremy's in his upper forties. Like we're of all you know, the bestie chat is a huge range of ages. So.
0: Yeah, and I always feel like, geez, I feel like I should know this. Rachel, how old are you? You're younger than us. I know that. But how much younger? A full generation? Seven years younger? I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a gap. Is it? it Isn't generation,
1: be, what is it, 25 years old? 25 oh, I think, years?
0: according to Disney, I think it's every seven years or something. And let's face it, we allow Disney to, to uh, dictate everything else about our... Yeah, um, then, then, then
1: she might be. Yeah. Interesting. All right. What do you think of the Royal Rumble winners prolonging who they will go against? That's exciting to see at the moment because it goes back to a more old school way of having the audience wait and adds another layer to the adventure to WrestleMania. Hmm. I think that's all I have for today's email. Um, well, you know, I take umbrage with the idea of old school because old school is Ric Flair winning and actually no, technically he won the title like Austin winning. And there was only one champion. So, you know, you're talking old
0: school in terms of the brand extension. Um, it reminds me this weekend I, I was listening to a radio station, and you know uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing, and then after they finished, uh, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band started up, and I realized that both of those uh, musical groups were now Qualifies just considered now. classical rock all together lumped together, and I was like, oh man, oh yeah. man. <laughs> Those are now the same genre.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Well, we're going to get to a point. I was thinking about this earlier. Like there's going to be a time, you know, music from even now, like, can you find a radio station with the exception of like Spotify and all of that, like a terrestrial radio station that's playing 80s music?
0: I mean, not exclusively.
1: You know, when we were kids in the 90s, they were still playing some 70s and 80s or even like 50s and 60s. And that was that was your, you know, classic way back stuff. And that was two to three decades before. It's yeah. 2021, which means 20 years. Like the music that we grew up listening to is now what music in the 60s was to us when we were right.
0: Kids. And it's just it's all That's on the classic rock stations.
1: You yeah, know? Yeah. um. Going back to Danielle's question, you know, Bianca was always going to pick Sasha. I don't think that's a question. Um, I think Sasha's trying to convince her that we're friends. You don't have to pick me, which is clever. Uh, Edge going to all three shows was great, except when I took Mrs. Matthews to get her second dose of vaccine the other day. I brought a little notebook and was writing down what I thought WrestleMania was going to look like, and I completely forgot that Edge had won the Rumble. So it is a little like, oh, yeah, you're you're part of this too.
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah, I, I think I think after that first week, you should have picked somebody.
0: I think in principle, this- it's a good idea to prolong choosing, only because I, I remember when I was watching uh, a lot of times. I think one of my main arguments against the product was you were never seeing any movement. Like you were seeing a pay per view, and so let's say feuds were blown off that pay per view. The next night on Raw, all the next feuds were set up. And then you were just spinning your wheels for four weeks, waiting to get to the next pay per view. You weren't actually seeing any development happening on the weekly television. It was just leading to an inevitable conclusion and it felt like a lot of wasted time. So by not immediately making it known, where they're going I feel like that makes the TV time more interesting potentially mm-hmm. I can't say if it is or is not in execution because I'm not watching but I, I do think in principle that 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 could be a good move
1: yeah it's we're at that point like so Elimination Chamber is next week then we're doing Fastlane in March and then we're doing WrestleMania in April yeah. So, you know, when Edge eventually decides, there are currently no logical, I guess, Seamus, technically, there are no logical opponents, which is why Drew McIntyre is defending his title in a chamber match on Sunday. And the other match, the six people are wrestling to see who the number one contender is but then they need to wrestle roman that same night. So whoever it is that wins, Cesaro or Daniel Bryan or King Corbin <laughs> or whoever, you know, will then immediately wrestle Roman Reigns. So if you lose, and obviously that's what's going to happen, again, <clears throat> I I understand what you're saying, but I liked that when Royal Rumble happened, you knew what WrestleMania was going to look like. I did appreciate that. Fair enough, but that's just me. <coughs> Until the next email or even winter retreat update, y'all be safe during whatever your weather is like in the New England area. Cheers, Danielle. P.S. I kind of can't wait to see how all the snow on my smart, smart car will look like in two days. I agree. It always looks cool until you have to then shovel it off. No, it's a pain in the ass. Um. Yeah, we're getting more snow. We seem like, say, every couple of days there's more snow.
0: Yeah. You know, how much are we supposed a, to get a, this
1: time? Uh, 48 inches is what they're saying. So I'm... but over See, That the was next,
0: 4 to 8 inches, not 48, right? Yes. 4 oh, my God. 8. Oh, uh, thank God. 4, four feet of eight. snow it's, would be too much.
1: Yeah, no, it's supposed to start sometime tomorrow. I'm expecting we'll get school closed early and then snow from like Thursday at noon all the way through possibly Saturday morning. But only 4 to 8 inches during that time frame, so... All right. Our final email
0: comes from Che. It's called versus. Hi guys. After the mentions of another Godzilla versus King Kong film, are there any other versus films you'd like to see? I know there was a tournament on this subject made not too long ago, but even if you took away from it being a traditional monster movie, a la Kevin from home alone versus Dustin from stranger things, pick anything you like. All the best, Che, sent from my multiverse, in my universe, from my galaxy.
1: Tournament on the subject of versus films.
0: I mean, interesting to go with the horror thing, I don't know if I said this last time we talked about it, but I'd really like to have seen a sequel to Freddy vs. Jason. That movie was a lot of fun. And they had some fun ideas, I thought, lined up for a second one, potentially expanding out to the Evil Dead franchise. But even if they didn't do that, just another Freddy versus Jason film, I think could have been fun.
1: I was expecting Michael Myers to get incorporated into that, like Freddy versus Jason versus Michael.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, Pinhead or Chucky or any of those people. I mean, they all could work out. Leatherface. Yeah, sure. But
1: I don't know. Now I want to. Now I want to see like a Hunger Game style movie <laughs> where it's just all of the villains. Yes, that's not
0: a bad idea. It's um, kind of fun.
1: Yeah, the the you know the problem is like you know Kevin from Home Alone versus Dustin from Stranger Things. I appreciate that, but I'm not sure there's a lot of money to be made on. You know, do you take? uh forgive me. What's her name? And I can't even think of her. No, I, I keep thinking it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus, but that's what I don't know. Jamie Lee Curtis. There it is. Okay. Do you take Jamie Lee Curtis's character from the Halloween movies versus anyone else? You know, who is, is there a single uh, protagonist in the Jason movies or does it?
0: Hmm. Like no, is not really. a recurring
1: really. character? Is there a recurring character in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies?
0: Um... Sort of, um, Heather Langenkamp's Heather Langenkamp's character of Nancy. I think her last name might be is it Nancy Thompson. I can't remember. Nancy shows up in at least two of the films, and then there's a character yeah. Alice. I think in parts four and five, but she dies right away in part five. And her power because she's the Dream Master, and her powers get transferred to this other character. But well, I think the person who the powers get transferred to is Alice. So who's the other girl? I don't remember anymore. So I don't yeah. know. And then in 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 um in Halloween movies, there's Jamie Lee Curtis. But there's also Laurie, a,
1: right?
0: Huh? I'm sorry?
1: Isn't her name Lori?
0: Lori Strode. Yeah. And there's also a little kid who she was babysitting in the first one. Um Tommy Doyle, who has sort of reappeared in later Halloween films. Um, so that's a recurring character. Yeah. It and there's might one be interesting. In, and then there's Tommy Jarvis is a recurring character from Friday the 13th. He was in part four, six, five, and 6. We're 5 and 6. So, yeah, yeah. Tommy Jarvis. It too. might be
1: interesting to have Laurie Strode all of a sudden, now you're dealing with, like you said, pinhead or freddy or and so all of a sudden now rather than have you know you have some of the monsters the villains switch universes
0: yeah yeah that could be cool hmm. so
1: that's that's where I kind of go you know again unless we're going to go with you know I'm almost thinking like movie franchises like what would indiana jones do In Jurassic Park or, you know, insert other thing there. But because there you go, you have a bunch of the heroes. You have your Indiana Jones, your Laura Crofts, and then you can throw, you know, Terminator in there. And you got Indiana Jones
0: versus Han Solo. There you go. Who shoots first?
1: Uh, there's the whip involved although that is one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes
0: in indiana is this yeah. shoo, 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 shoo. just <laughs> shoots them. Yeah. yeah beautiful beautiful uh
1: besides yeah. the whatever oh i used to know it uh, oh yeah whatever yeah. the chanting is where they're it's yeah. just so
0: ridiculous and the second one Kali moss yeah. or something like that yes there we go yeah yeah.
1: All right. That that does it for our emails. Thank you to Ethan and Chris and Danielle and Che. I know Mitchell said he was going to email. Uh, I think he's still dealing with the Nintendo Direct. Yeah, yeah had yeah. some launch thing talking about the Switch stuff. Cool. Uh, Glenn, you know, feeling Glenn better? Took still a week Glenn? off. Oh. Yeah. We we love Glenn. All Glenn right. Glenn's doing. Glenn's on his way to recovery. Okay. One's on his way to recovery, um, and I feel positive about that. Which means it is time, but for our piece of positivity, Doc Manson, what do you got for me? It's all you.
0: Oh man, I'm never prepared. Um, hmm. hmm. I don't know. Would you like me
1: to go first while you think?
0: I don't know. Um, I didn't really watch Joe Bob last week, so that's kind of sad. I didn't watch it Too because busy or nah, just the first there was two movies that I've already seen, so I do want to go back and like watch his commentary, but then there are movies I saw relatively recently. Tammy and the T Rex was the first one, and The Love Witch was the second one. And then I also did not watch Willie's uh, Wonderland because while it did release on video on demand, they considered uh, it, like it a theatrical release. So you could rent it for $20. And I said, yeah, I'm not renting that for $20. Yeah, no. I will my wait God. until that's right. a regular rental. So that didn't happen either. So both of my pieces of positivity last week kind of fell flat. And I know that's completely not the point of pieces of positivity this week. But that's the first thing that came to mind was just to get you guys an update on those, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, what's your piece of positivity, DC? What are you thinking about for this week? Well, the the you know, I the obvious
1: one is the awesome mug. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: But besides that, I suppose I can be, you know, I mentioned it briefly earlier. Um, Mrs. Matthews has now received both doses of her Moderna vaccine. Um, She had a rough day yesterday dealing with the, you know, it does kind of knock you out uh, and body aches and just general malaise. Um, my parents, Mama Matthews and the Champ, got their first dose on Monday. So that's good, which means hopefully teachers will be in the next group. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. But right now, I'm the only person in my immediate family who has not been at least partially vaccinated. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I don't have a super ton of you know other things, but I think that's enough. Nice gift, and
0: yeah, you know, hopefully,
1: yeah. a, hopefully, a feeling that you know we will not have to be quarantined because we're coming up on a year. You yeah. know, March thirteenth was when I got sent home for the remainder of the school year, and you know, while I have been back to work, it's been a year or so since the world kind of pressed pause. So it would be nice to uh, to unpause for a little bit, and and I will say. You know, again, I mentioned it earlier. I love GQ. Can't wait to have him back next week. But it's always nice just to sit and talk to you, Doc Manson. Aww. So I'll I will say that.
0: That is beautiful. That so. is beautiful. And I'm a fan of
1: your your sweatshirt sweater, whatever you want to call oh, it, with yeah. the fancy zippers. Your-
0: zip zip zip. Got it for Christmas. All right. It's been nice and warm fuzzy it's very nice hey i can't really think of a piece of positivity i mean that was you know hey, lava nice. cake
1: and lemon curd yeah. lava cake and lemon curd cookies are pretty good
0: those have been excellent really enjoying the baking treats and uh you know we're still enjoying the great british bake-off we're watching what netflix calls um gbb well they don't even call it gbbo they call it what the great british baking show for some reason can't be the bake-off and they have, a, they have that like series of collections, which are the regular mm-hmm. seasons all out of order. But then they have this other show called The Beginnings, which is actually just series three of the show. For some reason, they split it out. And that's where we are now. We finished the other collection. Now we're on this The Beginnings collection. We yep. discovered that they have another show called Masterclass, which is actually Paul and Mary Berry um, yes. walk you through some of those bakes. And I think we're going to be very interested to watch that as well.
1: I enjoyed that. Mrs. Matthews didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> the actual baking of it was not necessarily her thing. I think, I don't know if Mrs. Manson watches, but if she's not watching Claire Saffitz, who used to be on Bon Appetit, has now kind of done her own thing. She has a cookbook called Dessert Person um, mm. on YouTube. You know, she's making some it. pretty tremendous I don't think Mrs. Manson watches stuff.
0: much on YouTube, so probably not. But Well, right.
1: when you when you get through all the bake show or the bake off and you're feeling that lull because that's a huge show and now you're missing something, Claire Saffitz would be somebody that would get you through. Some of the stuff she makes, you're going to immediately be like, yes. <laughs> all
0: right. Very good. Off, I'll take that go. recommendation. I hope you
1: have all taken this episode and enjoyed it. Uh, It was very enjoyable for me. Uh, Improvised multiverse wrestling. Fantastic. Already got some, you know, we have some ideas percolating for next week. Look forward to another fantastic booking session. Doc Manson, anything else you would like to say before we head head out into that good night?
0: If you'd like to have your thoughts right on the air, you can send an email to podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our entire back catalog at ddtpod.com or at your podcast repository of choice. And finally, if you like what you've heard, and how could you, head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT wrestling to send just a little bit of financial support to DC, Doc, and GQ. It helps us keep the lights on and the podcast train a chugging. He is Doc Manson. You can find him at
1: Doc Manson across platforms. Even though he's not here, or at least his microphone and camera didn't work the entire time, you can find GQ at Podcast on Instagram. My name is DC Matthews at The DC Matthews. Thank you for joining us for another fabulous episode. Until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie?